0: Your Bibles, please. Find Psalm 23. And good morning, and happy Monday. Psalm 23 in your Bible. And I'm happy to be with you today. I am Dave Young, and I brought my best friend with me today, my sweetheart, my girlfriend, my favorite person in all the world, my partner in these 30 years of ministry. And Bethley's with me. She's over here to the side, and we had a daughter who was over there who has disappeared, and uh, so uh, she's here somewhere as well. She's our baby, but she's 15. And I'm happy y'all are here this morning. I know this time of the year you probably don't want to be here. Is that fair? And if you had your choice, how many of you would still be in bed? Is that a lot of you? If you had your choice, how many of you are ready to go home to some snow? Anybody looking forward to that? Did y'all know that we have white Christmas here too? We just go to the beach. And uh, that's how we do it here. But some of you are going to the real stuff. And I'm happy to be with you, looking forward to these next couple of days that I get to share God's Word with you. And to be, uh, to be fair with you, knowing this season of the semester, where you are, it's the end of the semester, and uh, really uh, wrestle, you know, okay, how do, what do I preach? This is a different time of the year, coming to an end. And uh, so I'm just going to go to a favorite, Psalm 23. I think you know it. And I'll be here today and tomorrow. So mark your place in the 23rd Psalm, and you'll have the text all ready for tomorrow as well. It's a psalm of David. I know you know that. Let's just begin reading in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many of y'all know 23rd Psalm? Let me see your hand, do you? How many y'all know this psalm? Do you remember when you first learned it? Anybody remember that? I, I was thinking about that, and maybe it's just my age, but I don't remember learning this psalm. It's one of those psalms i feel like i've known my whole life i i don't remember learning it i just have known it i i know i did somewhere along the way i've known this psalm it seems like forever those words are familiar those words are comforting i don't remember learning the psalm but i do remember times that it stood out in our life my wife and i have five children and three of ours are married I have two grandchildren i have uh, one young man studying for ministry, our youngest son, and then my daughter, of course, is with us here today in the chapel hour. And um, I uh, I wanted 10 children. Does that sound weird to you? Uh, I, Beth and I just love being parents. When you have a family, it's awesome. It's wonderful. And once you have two, you know, there's just, you know, you're kind of equal. And then you have a third one, you're outnumbered. And then you have another one. And after a while, you know, you're just outnumbered. So what's one more? So you know, I thought, bring it on. We would have chosen 10. God only gave us five, though we do have several other children as well. Uh, we, um, in 07, 2007, we had a baby that was born in Ohio, and that baby was not alive when it was born. That was a time when the 23rd Psalm became special in our lives. It was a time when the Lord brought me to this Psalm, and it became real in my life in a unique way. As a time going through a valley. A darkness, a hard time. In the heart of the psalm, some would tell you that the heart of the psalm is in verse 4. The very center of the psalm, someone said, in the Hebrew Bible is the phrase, for thou art with me. One of the things I hope you're learning is that no matter what's going on in your life, God is real and he's here. God is real and he's with you. He knows everything going on in your life, and He's just real. Which is why I would title the first message in this series, The God All of Us Should Know. He's the God you ought to know, and you ought to be real close to Him. And He ought to be very real in your life. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't remember when I learned this psalm, but I remember God using it in our life when our son was born and, and God chose for him to go to heaven. I, I, remember, I remember at one point in our life when Uh, This psalm became real to me as a gospel psalm. In fact, uh, I I think I have a screen for you. By way of introduction, the psalm is actually a triplicate, and it does include the gospel. You know what I mean by triplicate? Are you familiar with that word? It's a three-part psalm. Really, it begins in Psalm 22 as part one, and then Psalm 23, and then Psalm 24. The the three go together, and they, they form a whole because Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm, And it's a psalm in the past about our Savior who died for us. You know Psalm 22 begins with, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And and when you hear those words, you think of the cross, right? And and many times folks have said, Now why would Jesus say that on the cross? Why did Jesus say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Dr. Johnny Pope, uh, I've heard him preach about that. I've heard other preachers preach about it. And, And yet maybe my favorite explanation Someone said that the reason Jesus quoted Psalm 22, verse 1 at Calvary is to draw attention to Psalm 22, to let people know. If you're going to know what's happening here at Calvary, read the 22nd Psalm. It's about a Savior dying for our sins. And he's buried, he's going to rise from the dead. He's dying in Psalm 22, he's coming again in Psalm 24. Because Psalm 24 ends with the words, Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts is the King of glory. And he's coming in the everlasting doors. So this is a triplicate. The past in Psalm 22, the future in Psalm 24. If Psalm 22 is the past and Psalm 24 is the future, you would agree with you obviously Psalm 23 is right now. So we use Psalm 23 sometimes as a funeral psalm and rightly so. What comfort there is that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. It's a comforting psalm, but it's not a psalm about a funeral necessarily. It's about you. It's about your life. It's about the God you ought to know and the experience you ought to have right now. I'll preach about the experience tomorrow. Let me preach about the gods you ought to know right now. The Lord Jehovah starts us here in verse 1. The Lord Jehovah. You know, don't you, that Jehovah the Lord in verse 1 is Jesus the shepherd in verse 1 as well. In the Old Testament, he's Jehovah. In the New Testament, he's Jesus. And he puts these two together here. And this is the God that all of us should know. David is saying that God is his, can I say it like this, his very own personal shepherd. His very own personal shepherd. Do you know God like that? He's your very own personal God he's real in your life is this just something you do christianity just something you've kind of known your whole life or is god very real very near very personal in your life see this is a uh, this is a triplicate it's about the gospel because jesus is here as the shepherd you know about this i'll come back to that it's just very personal and what the psalmist is saying here is that in the same way, the same way that David knows God as his personal shepherd, Psalm 23 invites you to know God as your personal shepherd as well. Now, it draws attention to the fact that we are sheep. You're aware of that, aren't you? What do you know about sheep? Well, Dr. Adrian Rogers says, well, sheep are, he describes them with five words. They are dependent because they're helpless. They are dumb, in his word, because they're less than intelligent. They're defenseless because they have no natural protection. They are without direction because they have no real instinct to help them. And they're distracted very easily. They're easily swayed and easily led astray. Doesn't that kind of describe me and you? Aren't we, uh, aren't we somewhat dependent? You you're aware yet of how helpless you are? No matter how long you've been saved, you... Still need God, don't you? No matter how much Bible knowledge you're gaining as a senior, still a long way to go, isn't there? We're dependent. We need God in our life. We're sheep. And I, I, I choose that word. You know, the word dumb, I guess, fits the Ds that he gave there. And I don't know that that's the best way to describe a sheep, but it is, <clears throat> it is obvious that sheep are less than intelligent. They're just sometimes not all there. Uh, there's a, a season of a, a sheep's life when its wool can become so heavy. This fascinated me that it literally can lose its balance and roll over on its back and, and, and then it can't get back up. It's, it's just helpless. And if someone doesn't come along and stand it back up, come on, that was good. If somebody doesn't come along and stand it back up, you know what will happen to the sheep? It will... It will lay there on its back, and the gas is in its four stomachs, because like a cow, it chews the cud. The, the food goes into one stomach, and then it sits down and brings it up and regurgitates it. That's a beautiful picture for us, uh, an encouraging picture. And, and it, it chews the cud, but if it lays on its back and no one comes along to correct it, it will die. It literally can, can suffocate from the gases in its own stomach. It's a rather helpless creature. It's defenseless. I mean, What's it going to use its little hoof to defend itself against the wolf? That doesn't work. It doesn't have sharp teeth. It might try to butt you, but what good does that do? It's a sheep. It's helpless. It's defenseless. And the psalmist wants you to know that about you. You and I are helpless. We, we need help. We, we need God. We can't do this on our own. We don't know the direction of our life. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to do. We don't know how to defeat sin in our life. We're discouraged easily. We're frustrated easily. We're bothered easily. We're easily on edge. We need help. And the psalmist comes along here and said, here's your help. The Lord is my shepherd. The student body, what he's wanting you to know here is that you're invited. Psalm 23 invites you to know God as your personal shepherd as well. The question is, well, how? How can we know the Lord as our personal shepherd? Know these four ways that he's our personal shepherd. The first one's pretty simple. It's just like this. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for you. Don't underestimate that. Don't overlook that. You're in in a Christian college. You know that, but don't miss that. When the Bible says these words, the Lord is my shepherd, he's reminding us that Jesus, you know this? Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. You know that verse? It's found in the New Testament. I'm the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You know why I'm a believer? It's not because I've been in evangelism for 30 years almost now. no. It's because a Savior named Jesus died on a cross for my sins. And he was buried. And he was raised from the dead so I can have eternal life. That's the only way you can be saved. Why, if there's any chance at all that you're a student at Pensacola Christian College and you haven't yet been born again through Jesus Christ, I say to you today, he's a wonderful Savior. He's a wonderful shepherd. He died for your sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. He's alive. He did die so you could be forgiven. He took your sin so you can have his righteousness. He died for you so you can have his life. It's a beautiful, beautiful statement. The Good Shepherd gave his life for me and you. Is that a certainty in your heart that you know him? That you're born again through Jesus Christ? Some years ago, I was preaching a revival in Alabama And uh, it was a great meeting. We had this incredible services. They were well attended. There were some phenomenal salvations as far as people that had been prayed for for a long time that got saved. And just some really incredible services. There was one service that I preached on the Thursday night. And at the end of the service, there was a man in the building. And I had heard this kind of stuff and, you know, people talk about it, but I'd never really seen it. But there was a guy there that obviously needed to be born again and he held on to the pew so tightly that his, his his hands were literally white his knuckles were white and he was saying no to god but it was such a powerful service that i uh, I, I didn't want to close the service because i knew that he ought to get saved and early the that well when the service ended i said something that i think i meant i said to the crowd i said you know we're going to dismiss the service but i know some of you here tonight should have gotten saved and you didn't. Jesus died for your sins. He's a wonderful Savior. And, and He wants to be your Savior and He loves you. And if you go home tonight, you can't sleep, but you want to be saved. I said, Look, get out of bed. My RV, we lived in a fifth wheel at that time with our family and we took it on the revival road and parked in church parking lots. I said, My fifth wheel's right behind the Baptistry. Just go, go behind the building right here, right behind where I'm standing and you'll find our RV and, and, and get out of bed. Come over and knock on the door of the RV and I'll get up and I'll lead you to Christ in the parking lot. And I really do think I meant that. I wasn't sure anybody would take me up on it. You know, it's just something I said. But early the next morning in our RV, we were quite startled when all of a sudden someone pounded on the door of our RV. I mean, just pound, pummeled our door. It startled us and I, you know, jumped up and I I, I managed to get to the door and open the door. There stood the guy that was holding on with those white knuckles. He was crying and he he literally, I sounds gross, but he had snot everywhere. It was just a mess. And he was like, Dave, I need to get saved. I've been up all night. Can Can I get saved? I got to lead him to Christ in the parking lot. It was a wonderful, wonderful part of that revival. That very evening on that Thursday night, a lady said to me, people do this to you when you're in the ministry. This lady said to me, she said, Brother Young, this is a great revival. And she said, man, God is moving. My, my, my brother lives two miles down the road here and he's not saved and he's dying of cancer. She said, would you go talk to him? And I said, absolutely, absolutely, I'd love to. And she said, and this is what you know, people say to you. She said, uh, well, I, I need to tell you he hates preachers. And I I remember thinking to myself, well, that's encouraging, isn't it? Because I are one. And so I went to the auditorium the next morning, and I knelt at the front pew, and I said, God, there's been a lot of people trying to win this man to you, a lot of people. And I'm no different. I don't know you'll listen to me, but I know you love him, and I know you want him to be saved. So God, help me. Give me wisdom. I got in a church van. It was a country church, and they had said, you know, go two miles, you'll see a brick house, and and a barn with a cow and, and that's how country people give you directions and, and so I drove two miles and sure enough, there's a brick house and there is a barn and there is a cow and, and hopefully that's the right barn and the right cow and the right brick house because I'm going in. And I went up to the door and knocked on the door and this young man came to the door. And um, when he opened the door, I said, uh, sir, I said, I'm, I'm Evangelist Dave Young holding the revival at the Baptist church and I'm looking for Mr. So-and-so, is he here? And the guy leans back, his hand's on the door, he leans back and he looks this direction and he said, hey, grandpa, there's a man, there's a preacher here to see you. And I thought, well, good, nothing like putting it on the table. And I heard this older voice say, well, all right, send him in. And I don't normally do this, but I walked in that building and didn't, or that living room, didn't even introduce myself. I walked in talking. And I didn't give the man time to say anything because I was afraid he would throw me out. And I wanted him to get saved. And I don't know, this had never happened before, but I walked in and the first thing the Lord put in my heart was the 23rd Psalm. I walked in, I said, Mr. So-and-so, I'm here to tell you about the 23rd Psalm. And I quoted it out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. I walked him down to verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I got him to verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I said, you know what Psalmist David is saying right here? He's saying that Jesus Christ is his shepherd. It's personal. He knows Christ. He's on his way to heaven because of the shepherd. And I said, you know what? He's going to die. The psalmist says, I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm not bothered by that. I'm not afraid of that. You know why? Because God is with me because I'm his and he is mine. And I'm going to die. And the Lord's going to be with me, the psalmist says. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, Body, that man hated preachers. That man didn't like me. But that man allowed the 23rd Psalm to speak to him. Before I left, that man with tears in his eyes and with repentance in his heart turned to Jesus Christ and was born again. Now, I know you're in a Christian college. I I know you've been in chapel all semester. But I want to just come to you today and tell you that he gave his life for you. That's why you ought to know this, God. You need to be saved. You need to know that. He's real. It is true. It is true that all of us have to live and die. But we have a Savior named Jesus who's alive. He died for your sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. Well, if you've not believed on him, take him right now. Turn to him right now. In your heart right now, believe on him. Turn turn to him. Trust him. Call on him. You ought to know this Savior because he gave his life for you. There's a second reason you ought to know him in this psalm. Number one, he gave his life for us. Number two, he knows us. He knows you. You ought to know this shepherd because he knows you. Now, be honest about this. Uh, Pastor Redden, I was here last night in uh, the service Sunday evening, and uh, a couple of things stood out to me last night. Number one is those seats you're sitting in are very comfortable. How many of y'all know that? Last night I sat under the balcony over here, and I was like, wow, these seats are nice. And uh, Pastor Redland has a really nice voice. you all know that? So my seat was comfortable, and his his voice is just soothing. It was just, just this really nice voice, and it made me nervous about the day because, number one, I know where you are in the semester, and number two, I know where you're seated in a comfortable chair, and number three, I know you're trying to stay awake, and some of you aren't even trying. I'm aware of that. But here's the fact. You're aware of this, aren't you? I don't know all the stuff going on in your life, but you know the shepherd does. My goodness, he knows what's going on in your life. You're discouraged? He knows you. You're down? He knows. You're struggling a little bit? He knows. You're defeated with some sin in your life? He knows. You're a little uneasy about the future? He knows. You're aware of this, aren't you? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. You know that verse? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He knows you. Something special about knowing, isn't there? Is there anybody you're getting to know? I mean, like in a special way? Any, anybody here getting to know somebody in a, you don't that, in a special way? When I was a senior at Pensacola Christian College, I, uh, I had a friend in Bible class one afternoon say, uh, hey, Dave, you going to the soccer game Friday night? And I said, yes. And she said, great. Um, I'm bringing somebody to meet you. I think you ought to get to know them. Has that ever happened to you? So I said, who is it? Valid question. Who is it? And she said, well, I think it'd be great to make it a surprise. And I said, without any hesitation, "Then I'm not coming to the soccer game. Now you say, well, why? Because I'm not taking a chance on this important matter in my life. Anybody with me on this? I want to know. I want to know who this is. For one thing, I'd prayed about it. Anybody praying about that? The man that led me to Jesus, the man that led me to Jesus in East Tennessee where I grew up, prayed for me a wife, and he was so stinking spiritual about it. He'd always pray, and he'd say, now, Lord... Dave Young's going to be in the ministry, he needs a good wife, help her to be godly, help her to be a soul winner, help her to love your word, help her to love you. And I'd just be beside him. I didn't know any better. And I was just like, Lord, help her to be beautiful. <laughs> can I get a witness? Anybody with me on this? And so my friend said, come on to the soccer game. You can trust me. I think you ought to get to know this girl. And I'm like, I want to know who it is. And she said, you can trust me. And I'm like, no, I want to know who it is. So she told me and I didn't know who it was. Was no help at all. All right, fine. She told me her name. Was no help. So I didn't know what to do. And so the class ended and I ran back to my residence hall, coberly, and I pulled out last year's yearbook. And I went to the glossary at the back and I found the dentist's comma Bethley on page whatever. And I went over there and took a look. And I went to the soccer game. And I don't know who won that soccer game. That's not true. I did. (laughs) That was a good night. Man, that was the night. Wow, what a night. You know what I did? I worked on getting to know her. She worked on getting to know me. The more we knew, the better we liked. Man, knowing is important. You know, God knows you. What's amazing about that is He chose you. (laughs) I read in in the New Testament that that God wants to be our friend. Jesus said, I'm no longer going to call you my servant. I'm going to call you my friend. Wait a minute. He knows all about us. He knows when our hearts are hard and our hearts are cold and when we do things we ought not to do and say things we ought not to say and react to things the way we ought not to react. We get bitter and down and frustrated and irritable and sharp-tongued and short. He knows. And he's still our shepherd. What a God. You ought to know this God, number one, because he gave his life for you, number two, because he knows you, and number three, because he seeks you. He seeks you. Isn't that the point of verse 6? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know what? He's, he's, He's looking for you. He's seeking you. You know that, don't you? Have you read that passage about the 90 and 9? You know that verse about the the shepherd that has, you know, a hundred sheep and one goes and the Bible says, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 90 and 90 and goes after the one? And when he finds the one, what does he do? He rejoices over that one. See, you're that important. The God of heaven knows everything about you. And here's what's amazing about it. He's seeking you. See, when I met Bethany Joy, I knew nothing about her. Well, I mean, I, I learned a few things. I, I, I learned that she's from the north. And I'm from the south. I knew that was different. I, I learned that. I learned that she had the most stunning blue eyes I'd ever met in my life. And I left the soccer game that night thinking, you know, Lord, if you'll let me... I will dive in those blue eyes and swim forever. That's a good line. You should write that down for future use. If her eyes are brown, I'd recommend you change it. Because otherwise, she's going to be in trouble. But see, here's the deal. What happened in that thing? I, I, I sought her. I worked. it. I I, I'm seeking her. I, wanna, I like this girl. I want to marry her. You see this, don't you? I didn't know anything about her, but I, what I, the more I found, the more I liked. Pastor Redlin had it right last night, if you were in this auditorium. He, he said, uh, you know, God loves you. I mean, y'all believe that. You know, y'all don't like you believe that. Y'all up there in the balcony believe that? God loves you. If you believe that, nod. Nah, uh, y'all believe that? But isn't it startling that he likes me? Because it is true. How many people do you know? I, I love you because I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to. I don't like you. Got a roommate like that? Don't answer that. <laughs> I, I like you. I, I, I love you, but I don't, I don't like you. Pastor Redden had that right. Think about this. God, God doesn't just love you, student body. He likes you. He really does. He likes you. I'm a parent, you know, I'm a dad. That's such a good stage in my life. My goodness. My daughter's married, my son is married, my second son is married, my, my, my third son is working on getting married. It's a good time of my life. I'm so proud to be a dad. When things are well and your family and your kids are well, there's, there's a, man, I understand the words of our God when he said about his son Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, God looks at you that same way. You need to get to know this God soon, buddy. Gave his life for you. He knows you. He seeks you. You know what the Lord is my shepherd means? He has your best interest in mind. I close chapel with that statement. This shepherd has your best interest in mind. Are you aware of that? He has your best interest in mind, always. He likes you. He cares about you. He desires to be your God to meet your needs. Are you, are you hungry? Are you struggling? He'll make you to lie down in green pastures. You feel thirsty and there's an emptiness. He'll lead you beside the still water. You're far from God. He'll restore your soul. You don't know what direction to go. He'll lead you in the paths of righteousness. Are you going through a darkness in your life? He'll walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. You need some uh, direction and, and correction and comfort. He's got a rod and staff that'll do just that. You feel like you're being bombarded by the enemy? He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of those enemies. He'll anoint your head with oil. Your cup will run over. And every day of your life, you know what he'll do? He'll just pursue you with his goodness and his mercy. So, everybody, I'm 53, and I can stand here and tell you that from the day I got saved as a 15 year old teenager until this very moment, God of Heaven has pursued my life. His goodness has been overwhelming. His mercies have been new every morning. I close with this just simple statement: Remember, remember this truth. Remember this truth. You have a shepherd. Remember this truth you have a shepherd you don't have to finish this semester alone. Remember this truth He's yours. He's real. He's God He's personal remember revel in this y'all know that phrase revel in this Uh, The word I use is wow, you know where I learned that word that word stands out to me the word wow because of uh, dr. Adkins dr. Adkins pastored in Mansfield, Ohio I was preaching a revival in his church and on a Sunday morning I don't know if you know this or not pastor adkins but on a sunday morning i was preaching about the gospel and i said something like the lord is my shepherd god so loved the world and pastor adkins was behind me on this side of the platform and he said this out loud in the service i said god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son pastor adkins behind me said wow and it kind of startled me because mostly time preachers will say, amen. Some preachers will say, that's good stuff. Some will say, woo, hallelujah. Pastor Adkins said, wow. Wow. Now I invite you to walk out of this chapel today. All in. Surrender to this shepherd. Let him take over. You know these songs? You know these old hymns? I surrender all. Let him have his way with thee. Get all in for God. The Lord is my shepherd. Take him with you. Let him encourage you, lead you, bless you, meet every need you have. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.